ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. This is part two of our special episode this week, speaking with several drivers during Tuesday's preseason media tour. As noted in the previous episode, we took whatever time was available. In the case of Clint Boyer, that unfortunately wasn't much because some of the schedules fell behind on a very busy media day. That's no one's fault. It happens. But I still wanted to include everyone that we got audio on, regardless of the length of the conversation, so that you could hear a sample of what some of these drivers' mindsets and tones are entering 2018. So in this episode, we have William Byron, Eric Almarola, Trevor Bain, Michael McDowell, A.J. Allmendinger, and Clint Boyer. I also had a good conversation with defending series champion Martin Truex Jr., so stay tuned for that next week. That'll be a full-length episode. Lots of good insight that I think you'll enjoy into Furniture Row Racing, which Martin playfully described as a band of misfits. Also on the horizon for guests are David Smith, the statistical guru who runs Motorsports Analytics, Kurt Busch, which continues our three-year run of having the defending Daytona 500 winner each year as a guest on the podcast, and I'm sure that we will have Steve Letarte, who is, of course, the most recurring guest on the NASCAR and NBC podcast, a fact that I hope he is quite proud of. I'm sure that Stevie will be stopping by before the 2018 season begins. But now we'll get things started with this episode with William Byron, who talked about what it's like being the new kid in the Cup Series and already having some quasi-stalker fans. William Byron, you don't really strike me as someone who gets nervous based on your results the last two (laughs) years in NASCAR, but is there anything that you're concerned about going into your first Cup season as a rookie? You know, I would say just the excitement and all the challenges that you face, especially going into it. With my first race being the Daytona 500, that's going to be exciting and also nerve-wracking in itself. And I think there's going to be a lot of challenges, but hopefully as the year goes, we can kind of improve on each race and and really get to where we're um, competitive each week. I feel like Darian's going to be a great asset for me um, as a championship crew chief in the past, and hopefully I can lean on that as well. Did you know Darian very well? Not really. I, I kind of you know met him a few times here and there. Um, when he came back to Hendrick, I was really excited about that because I knew um, his experience and knowledge um, on the cup level is, is really important, especially for somebody like me. So I think hopefully we'll be able to lean on each other a little bit and um, be better. In terms of guidance, advice, is it just, hey, this is where you got to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at, at first, <laughs> like just knowing like the, the run of shows, so to speak, for yeah. a race weekend? 
I would say that, and also the notes that he has. You know, yeah. the guys that he's worked with have different driving styles. Um, you know, he's worked with Denny, Carl, Tony, um, even Jimmy some. So I feel like he knows a lot of what goes on and how those guys prepare, and I'm going to lean on him to hopefully uh, show me how those how I need to prepare for each week and um, and how I need to go about you know practice and qualifying and and getting ourselves positioned best for the race. Have you guys talked about driving styles at all? About who you might be similar to? Uh, a little bit. Um, he feels like the way I drive is kind of similar to how Denny is. Um, our background hmm. is similar. Um, you know, we both grew up racing late models and in the southeast and virginia area and i feel like that kind of makes our personality and driving style similar so we'll see how it goes but i think that um you know hopefully i can lean on the resources that i have there you mentioned it, it all starts at daytona and unfortunately that's that's a race where it's easy to get caught yeah. up in in things and i know for rookies it doesn't always go so well what are your expectations looking into that race your first start yeah. in are you just hoping to finish or are you just hoping to you yeah, know, just escape unscathed. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I, there's going to be a lot going through my head, but I feel like you know Hendrick has always been really strong there with qualifying and everything, and I feel like that's going to be a, a huge advantage I have is just you know the fact that we're probably going to qualify well, we're probably going to have a really fast race car, and that's going to make my job easier. But at the same time, you're racing at Daytona, anything can happen, and you're in a pack of 30 or 40 cars, and it's hard to really control what you're going to do but hopefully i can be closer to the front and be away from some of the the accidents and if we do get in one that's all right and we'll just go into atlanta where we can kind of control more of our outcome you come in as the new kid you look like the new kid <laughs> i've seen alex bowman and, and jimmy johnson sort of poke fun at the fact that you're the little brother here do, yeah. do you enjoy that kind of yeah. uh, banter and everything i mean it, it's kind of natural um, <laughs> you know i've, I've grown up racing my peers and you know, I was always the young kid, but then, you know, at a point you kind of race guys that are your age most of the time and you get used to that. And then as the years goes on, go on, um, I started to progress faster, I guess, than that. And I started to kind of race against guys that are 30 or 40 years old and it becomes different, you know, racing those guys and how they're going to treat you. But, mm -hmm. um, hopefully I can just gain the respect of those guys, especially in the beginning of the year and, and show that I can, uh, compete. And then from there we're, going to be able to hopefully compete for wins how do you get treated when you're racing against 30 and 40 year old guys in the, yeah. in the past and how do you handle it i mean there's a lot of preconceived ideas of like hey this kid's young like he's gonna tear up a lot of stuff and he's gonna be reckless and i don't feel like i really race like that i feel like i i kind of race um kind of old school but i think that guys have started to see that a little bit and respect that so hopefully i can just keep racing that way and see where that takes me and hopefully just gain the respect of those guys so I can get through the season and start to race them uh, hard. I feel like the first 10 or 15 races are going to be a challenge just because guys are going to try to see what they can do with me. But mm -hmm. if I just kind of stay the course and keep doing what I know how to do, then it's going to come over time. I saw recently that you attended the, the 400th engine win celebration yeah. for Hendrick Motorsports. And it, it struck me that you've been around NASCAR for a few years, William, but your second full year here at Hendrick, are you, yeah. are, do you feel like you're still getting acclimated to mm -hmm. kind of the culture and getting to know everybody and do events yeah. like that sort of like introduce you to people that maybe you don't see in the, yeah. in the midst of a 500 person company or whatever? Yeah. You know, I grew up racing with, teams that were 10 people or right. you know five to 10 people and then it was 15 and then it was like 40 or 50 it, 
you know, or a hundred at JRM and, and now it's 650. So it's a, a different challenge and it's, it's really exciting when you're up there and you have all these people that are pulling for you to succeed and, and pulling for you to win. So I think that part is the part that you look forward to is trying to make those employees proud. And I'm still getting used to that. I, I still trying to learn my way around the company, but I think that it's coming uh, quickly and it's just a lot of fun to go to work there. It's it's just a great environment. That'd certainly be an adjustment. And you were just telling Rod about this stalker fan that you have. I'm sure there's going to be more attention on you and in, in Cup this year. Tell the story about you've been seeing a, yeah. a familiar face who keeps getting your autograph. Yeah, you know, there's a couple, but I think that it's it's all good. I mean, you know, when you have fans, that's that's a good thing. You know, the worst part is when nobody's cheering for you, like good or bad. You want somebody to notice who you are, and I think that's um, the good part is that people are starting to pull for us and hopefully pulling for us this year in the 24. And there there are a couple that you know either know my address or like you know <laughs> I've seen them in different places, and it's kind of funny, but. You know, I, if as long as there are 24 fans and they like our race car and our race team, then I'm good for that. New team, new outlook on social media this season for Eric Almirola, who explains why he's re-engaging on that front and also the different dynamics of joining a four-car team and getting a peek of what makes Kevin Harvick so good. You seem to be active on social media more so than ever before this year. We're that- firing it up, man. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're trying to do our part to, to be back uh, present and... For a while, I just got, you know, just sort of down in the dumps and, you know, just trying to do everything I could to to focus on racing on the racetrack and and not really worrying about all the social stuff. But you know, it's a it's a big part of what we do. It's big for the sponsors and, and it's it's big to to put that stuff out there for the fans to kind of see some unique things that they wouldn't just see on the TV broadcast, right? So. Um, I realized the importance of it, and so we've made a, a valiant effort at being more active on social. So you didn't need a lot of encouragement. It was just a change no, of scenery I, kind I've, of did for you. Yeah, I think the the change of scenery, um, obviously, you know, a, sort of a breath of fresh air, you know, being with a new team and, and re-energized, and so all of that together, um, you know, just sort of led me to get back more active on social. Um, the the social is just a, a double-edged sword for me because – I, I appreciate it. I like it. I like, you know, being able to deliver that content to the fans. But at the same time, I don't want social to be a second job for me. I don't want right. social to be something that distracts me and takes me away from my family. It's a right? huge time suck. Like, I don't yeah. want to be sitting at the dinner table with my wife and two kids and have my head buried in my phone. I'm right. not going to do that, right. right? Like, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. So I have to be mindful of that, and I'm, I'm very deliberate um, with how I how I use social and for right now I'm using social more as, as a as a platform to just kind of put stuff out there um, and I'm really not doing like the Q&A or the back and forth with the fans just because I don't have the time right. like I don't if I have an opportunity to sit down and, and hang out with my wife and kids that's priority for me um, social media is not priority for me and then you know the other side of it is that people on social can be mean right? They can sit behind a computer and, and say whatever they want and there's no repercussions. And so that leads people to, to be nasty and mean. And they don't realize that the people that read that, while yes, you know, we may be professionals and we put ourselves out there, but it hurts. Mm-hmm. Damn, it hurts. Yeah. When, you, when you read something, you might read, you might read a hundred good things, but you get one guy or one girl that says something really hurtful or mean or nasty. Um, and that sticks out more than anything else. 
So, uh, so yeah, that, that part of it kind of stinks. And you have less time than before because you now have three teammates. What is the focus like going from being the middle of everything as a one car yep. you know, team versus now being part of a four car team? How's it different? Uh, it's, it's vastly different. Yeah. Um, you know, just the amount of resources to pull from, right. You know, when you're a one car team and, and, and a team like, you know, I've been on the last, you know, six seasons, you know, you've got 60, 70 employees and all their focus and all their effort is, is on that one car. And, you know, while, while there's parts of that that are good because it's a, it's a centered focus and, and everybody um, is pulling, you know, in, in one direction, you, you know, I, I show up to Stuart Haas Race and there's 380 employees and I've got, you know, 80, 90 engineers you know, I mean, th- those resources are hard to compete against right. um, as a as a one car one car operation, and so, and then on top of that, having teammates to lean on, you know, being able to look at driver data already uh, for Atlanta and for Phoenix, and you know, you look at those places where Harvick is so good, you know, at both Atlanta and Phoenix, and for me to already be sitting down and studying driver data of his, and being able to to go test at Texas, and while I'm there looking at Kurt and Clint's driver data, you know, all of that stuff is stuff that I've not had access to in in the last six seasons to be able to have, you know, those resources from teammates to be able to lean on and and help make me better. What do you see when you look at Kevin Harvick's driver driver data? Are you impressed or? Yeah, certainly impressed. But then, you know, there's things that, uh, you know, are unique to Kevin that that he does and, and not... I'm not going to completely revamp my driving style. I've, I've been, re- been driving a race car since, you know, I was eight years old and I'm not going to just all of a sudden change who I am as a race car driver, but there's certainly things that I can pick up on and learn that will help me adapt, um, and, and be better in, you know, these race cars and, and particularly be better at certain racetracks where I can, you know, learn, you know, to, to do something a little different inside the race car to help me. None of us likes a long commute and Trevor Baines will be more than three hours this season. The Roush Fenway racing driver relocated with his family to Knoxville, Tennessee in the offseason, but still plans on being in Concord, North Carolina every week for team debriefs. Thankfully, he won't always have to drive, as he explains here. So normally when I research podcast conversations, Trevor, I go back through social media to try to find some <laughs> topics to talk about. Yeah. And I didn't really come up with much for That's you because okay. it appears you haven't tweeted anything since October. Am I right on that? you got to get on Instagram, man. Oh, really? Is that what you can't you're can't argue with a picture. <laughs> well, they can, then they do, but it's a lot harder. So you're done with the Twitter machine. Well, I'll link them sometimes. Sorry, okay. I didn't link them. I'm obviously not that savvy with social media because it should have been linked. <laughs> That's okay. What have I missed then in the Trevor Bain offseason oh, wow. on Instagram? Well, we moved from Charlotte to Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we've got oh, really? two two kids under two, and I just uh, would love for them to be able, be able to be around their family. And uh, my my parents and Ashton's parents are both in Knoxville. And so um, we decided around the homestead test time, I was kind of praying through it and felt like I was supposed to sell our house here or put it on the market, not necessarily sell it, but just put it on the market and see what happens. And before it went on the market, it sold and land came up after looking for like four years and striking out land came up for selling Knoxville. So we bought that. And um, so we moved home. So that was like a month of off season of moving. And then um, once we got through that, it was about Christmas time and hung out. And then uh, we went to Hawaii for two weeks. So okay. it's been great, man. That's a pretty big life change. It is a big life relocate. change. It is. And, you know, um, you know, I just want to always think about my family. And it will be a little bit more difficult for me and travel and things. And I'll be here every Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll be at the shop at least one day a week, every week. And 
um, you know, I, I definitely want to do that to, to show this doesn't change anything as far as my racing is concerned. Um, you know, I look at guys like Carl Edwards, I look at Jimmy Johnson living in Colorado or Chase Elliott in Georgia. They've all made it work and been successful. And so I know we can do that. And actually where we live is only three and a half hour drive, but I've been working on my pilot's license. So last year I started flying a little bit and um, it's a really short flight to get here, a little treacherous over the mountains. So you got to pay attention, but uh, I feel like it's good for my men mental state to, to kind of travel back and forth and, and spend time with the guys. Just to buy your own plane for that then? No, <laughs> no, sir. Okay. That's not a winning proposition right there. So <laughs> if you have one I can borrow, I'll take it. So for now, we'll just be driving, commuting back and forth. I, I'll, I'll fly. You can you know, oh, yeah. ramp okay. for your pilot's license. Okay. So while I'm getting my time on my license, it'll kind of be my commute. So it's a double, double nice. whammy. And the team, obviously, did you have to clear through them? They, they were on board with it? Yeah, they've been great with it. Um, you know, I just, uh, as long as I'm committed in getting my work done, I mean, to them, they shouldn't know a difference. I mean, if I'm at the racetrack and I'm at the shop for the meetings, like I, I want to be, a, a lot of guys, other drivers that don't live here will, will WebEx or whatever, they'll call into the meeting and, mm -hmm. and it's like being there. But I, I actually want to be present as much as possible for the guys that aren't in the meeting, the guys working in the shop or the body shop that want to see you and, and know what's going on to know that you're committed. And uh, for me, you know, I'm as committed as ever, working as hard as I can. And, and I, I really think this is going to be great for my our racing and for just our personal health you know mm -hmm. um having grandparents around for a night a week fashion i want to go on a date night or if i've got an appearance somewhere like next week i'm going to uh to texas for advocare and here we'd kind of be stuck you know you can't find a babysitter and and there ashton's able to go with me and, and take care of our sponsors and so i think it's going to be a really good thing where does Roush Fenway stand going into 2018, Trevor? How do you guys feel? Uh, last year when we came to this media day, um, we had more changes to talk about. We had changed a lot of structure, a lot of uh, meetings and, and different people. And we don't have that this year going into this mm -hmm. season. There's not a lot of huge core changes, but what we're doing is refining those changes. We've got to refine and see, okay, where did we maybe miss the gaps last year? We, we made these big changes, but what was in between that we could do better? Um, we felt like last season we made huge huge gains going into 2017. We showed up and we were running top 12 almost every week and, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year. And in the summer, we had our little bit of a slump that we've seen a couple times, but we were able to rebound and come back at the end of the year. We have not been able to do that in the past. So I look forward to this year kind of refining that summer slump, which mostly is short tracks for our team in particular, the six car, uh, Martinsville and Bristol. We had top tens in all four of those races, but, um, you know, the Richmond, um, Loudoun, places like that, uh, we, we struggled that a little bit so we've got to refine that work on those short tracks um, and make sure our mile and a half program keeps up as these um, manufacturers keep changing their bodies and, and teams keep dialing in their their um, mile and a half programs we have to just keep up really as the season goes on and uh, I think we'll be able to do that. Can Ford do that with new Chevy body this year, new Toyota body last year? Can Ford keep up? It's more difficult, yeah. right? Um, and with the Hawkeye system coming on, um, we don't know where we stand as far as our bodies and how much sure. you can get out of them. And um, that's what every team's going to have to figure out is where is the black and where's the gray? And that's what we always talk about. Um, and if you if you don't push it, then you're behind. And so we have to. But, um, you know, obviously with the downforce um setup of the the other manufacturers that's a, a benefit with the smaller spoiler and we know that um and we've got to just kind of manage that this season and uh hopefully 2019 when 
we are able to regroup and the new bodies and all the different things for all the teams come out, we can kind of capitalize a little better. But I, I think we can do our best to keep up this year. I mean, you watched the four car last year with four bodies and, and engines do great and make it to the final round. And so um, that's what we're pushing to do. It was a busy week for Michael McDowell, who had some sponsorship news to announce with Front Row Motorsports and also talked about the chain of events that led him to a new team this season. So, is this going to be like a Rutledge interview or more serious? No, this is not going to be like a Rutledge Because you got to know interview. what you're getting into. I know. This will be the antithesis of okay. what you just experienced. So you had some news uh, this morning. Yeah, it's been a great week. Um, you know, great off season for me. Just uh, you know, being uh, a part of Front Row Motorsports, and uh, yesterday announcing Loves, and and today announcing Caleb coming back. And um, you know, it's just great for me to have that kind of support and partnership. And Caleb's been with me a right. long time, and they've they've gone through a lot of ups and downs with me. And um, and it's it's really cool for me and special to me that uh, you know throughout my career they've been a part of it. So that that's a sponsor that you've kind of had with you in tow and when... yeah over the years and it you know really started out as just a you know a friendship that that grew into more and um, you know I did one race with them in I think 2009 with Randy McDonald uh, driving the 81 car and and not racing all the time and and then it's slowly grown over the years and you know it's just great to have. How important was it to have after you had to look for a ride for 2018? You know I, it's always important to have partnerships I mean this sport is driven um, by sponsorship um, but believe it or not it wasn't a, a real key factor to it it was kind of one of those things where I was hoping and hopeful that they would come along but it wasn't contingent on that happening and for me you know I always make I want to make sure that they're getting value out of it and so at the end of last year I just said hey now's the time you guys have been with me a long time and and I really am thankful for that but if it's not working for you now's now's the time you know this is the transition going to a new team I don't want you guys to feel like you know you're obligated to do it and they're just great they they enjoy the partnership um in NASCAR and and what it does for Caleb and and you know it brings not only new listeners but you know it introduces people to um, their faith in Christ and and that's really the mission behind it you um had I think a pretty good 2017 season all things considered Michael but then you have a situation where you have to move on and what was that like I'm sure you felt entrenched at the 95 and you felt like you'd done enough to yeah. be there and then it, it just ended up not working out. Yeah, you know, it's definitely difficult. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not. Um, but, you know, I love the Levine family and, uh, and that team. And, and like you said, is, you know, I was part of establishing and making it what it is. And, um, but it, everything comes to an end. And, and for me, it wasn't um, – I didn't feel like I was being replaced. I didn't feel like I hadn't done my job or I hadn't earned my spot there. Uh, that was never communicated to me. It was just time to do something different for them and, and try to continue to grow their program. And um, they had their reasoning for that. And obviously bringing in a star name like Casey Kane is, is mm -hmm. hopefully going to help them generate sponsorship and – but I think we all knew uh, what we had done together, and that was really special. And so I have nothing but love um, for everybody, you know, at, at LFR. And, you know, the hard part was that is that we, we went from part-time only running 15 races and, and to, you know, building that schedule and building the program and adding people and ups and downs and highs and lows. And we finally sort of established just – a rock solid foundation and we were clicking and we were hitting on everything and so so there's a part of me obviously that feels that invested in that i am invested yeah. in that i'm not with the program anymore and i'm not driving the car anymore i'm focused on my program but as they have success i still feel invested in that and bob should feel the same way about me in my career because he took a guy that didn't 
didn't have anything and gave me an opportunity to race full-time. The goals with Front Row Motorsports, what were the objectives this year for you guys? To build the program and have it reach its potential. You know, I don't want to base everything off of, of the 95 because uh, this, this program has a lot of depth and a lot of people and great people and processes and I mean, I'm amazed at what they have going on at the shop from what they actually do in-house from, you know, building chassis, their own bodies, a lot of their own parts and pieces. And so Front Row Motorsports is considered a small team, but they really have a lot of depth at their shop and uh, with their people. So I'm really looking forward to what we can do. It's going to be a building process. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but the foundation's already there. They've already laid the groundwork and uh, I'm just hoping that I can come in and, and bring something to the program and help elevate it. For me, the goal, there's only one goal. You know, the goal's been the same since I was eight years old until now is to, to win a cup race. Haven't done it yet, and <laughs> I'm going to keep trying until I do. And, um, and and obviously, Front Row Motorsports has won a cup race, and, um, and they've, you know, been uh, successful at the super speedways. And, man, I'm completely overwhelmed with how great of a piece we're bringing to Daytona. I mean, this is for sure my best shot at um, to running well at Daytona, and um, you know, and Roush Yates is a big part of that. Uh, Ford Performance is a big part of that. Um, we have some great super speedway cars to take to Daytona. I'm pretty excited about that. The 2017 season was disappointing for AJ Allmendinger, who discussed the lessons it left with him and his team, and why he is so optimistic about 2018. Uh, obviously, not a season that that we really enjoyed, but in the end what Tad and Jody and, and Ernie Cope running the team now are really this off season, what, what they're doing to, to make us better going into this year is, has been, uh, been amazing. You know, we got a new Hendrick Alliance. So I think that's going to help us in, in a lot of ways. Uh, the new Camaro body is going to help all of Chevy, I think all Chevy race teams, but in general, just the people that we've added, what they're doing to, uh, for wind tunneling and K rigging and things like that, that we haven't really had a lot of in the past. I mean, it's, it's crazy just to walk in the shop and see how many people we have now. So you never want to be too optimistic. You never really know until you get to, you know, Daytona somewhat, but really Atlanta. But just uh, it's probably the most energy and most energetic I've seen the race team, the most positive I've seen in, in all the five years I've been there and really looking forward to it. So uh, and they're and they're working hard right now as we speak. I mean, they're doing more of it and, and getting ready for Daytona, building some really nice race cars and uh, ready to go. Hendrick Alliance means chassis and uh, Sporter. I don't know really how much I can do. It's a lot. It's it's definitely a technical alliance. Their sim, mm -hmm. things like that, helping us out with with uh, measurements of our race car, things with that nature. Uh, you know, we're still building our our cars per se. We're not we're not. It's not like we're buying them and and all that. But yeah, a lot of it's more going to be the technical side of it. The sim. We're still running ECR motors this year, so you know, a lot of positives going into this year for sure. Is the model AJ looking at what Furniture Racing did last year and saying, hey? That's a single car team that essentially took in an alliance situation, took what they got from another team and optimized it and made it better and, and showed how they can outrun guys who have 10 times as many employees. Is that, is that kind of the goal for you guys here, the same situation? Yeah, I mean, I think you really have to look at it. If you're just using everything that whoever is giving you, you're only going to be as good as them, if not probably a little bit behind. So what Furniture Row has done to be able to take what they're given and optimize and make it better Obviously, it, we look at all of it, especially a team like ours, and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is what we'd like to do." Uh, but it takes time. They didn't do it overnight. I mean, they've been doing it for what 13 years now mm -hmm. or so, trying mm -hmm. to get to that point. And, and really, the last two or three years, they've finally kind of broken out and, and 
last year was the ultimate. They did a, such a fantastic job, but you know that's what we have to do. And Tad and Jody are, are working hard to put those people in place to to for us to be able to optimize and, and still go our own route, but take everything that we're that we're paying for and, and try to make it better. And I think in the past, the last couple of years, that's kind of where we've been a struggle is we haven't been able to do that. Mm-hmm. And this year is is looking like. You know, we're putting everything in place to be able to go do that. And it's it's been a lot of – we have a lot of great partners, but but what Kroger has really done to step up for not only the 47 side of it, but the 37 side of it and trying to really unite both of our teams as one big race team to go out there and compete at the at the highest level. And working with Chris, I really enjoyed working with him last year and, and look forward to it even more going into this year. So – there's a lot of positives, and you know you don't want to overstate it and say uh, it's going to be a, an amazing year because you don't really know. But what they're doing, just what they're doing at the shop, is just builds so much confidence throughout the whole organization. Because with your team, it's it's not a case of stability in terms of funding. I mean, the funding is there, the people are there. It's just a matter of how do we take what we've got and just do it efficiently and smartly, right? Well, That's yeah, I mean, I think it, it's. Uh, there, there's a fine line because you know the funding yeah we have the sponsors on the car but but in the past the funding hasn't been as high you know you say you're not asking for as much money for a race as a hendrick might be mm-hmm. somewhere like that or a gibbs but tad the salesman that he is when we need something they don't have other businesses to pull from right they have to pull from their own money so the only way to do that is go out and find more money and that's where kroger has been so big and and what tad's been able to do working with them as a whole is the fact that you know they work together we need more well well, let's go find more and that's why obviously you can't see it but why i got so many partners on my suit right now and and that's it's a big deal for a team like ours and and you know all the credit goes to tad and 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 jody for working so hard and then ernie cope for for making sure we're putting all the right pieces into place to go out there and compete because nobody had fun last year right but the good thing was was what we learned was we can all stick together and we didn't start pointing fingers at each other. We we worked hard, got to the grind, and, and know that we're all working towards one direction. Finally, a driver known for keeping it short and sweet, sometimes hilariously so, here's Clint Boyer. All right, the two-question podcast with yeah. Clint Boyer. You were just telling Rutledge Wood this felt like a long offseason. What did you do? I didn't do anything, and it did feel – I guess that's why it does feel like a, a long offseason. You hung around home and, and spent a lot of time with the kids – and it was a lot of fun, to be honest with you. Just seems like it, you know. Every year, it's always something different, and, and especially with kids and a family now, it's it's even that much more. Does it leave you antsy about the new year after the season you had? That's, yes. Yeah. In the last uh, since New Year's, I was over all of the the holidays, the party, and the eat and all that stuff. I'm like, good God, let's go back to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was I was hoping Daytona was was uh, the next week, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to, you know, I, I, I think there's things in our sport that's it's always ever-changing, and I think this year's going to be even more of a surprise on a, on a lot of fronts. I think the cars, the, the teching and all that kind of stuff, I'm anxious to see what, what all that's going to entail and, and how that's going to change what we see as a sport. Um, talk about Roval, you know, you, you're watching you guys work in the media and things like that, talking about different racetracks and stuff we're going to. It's just it's pretty exciting, to be honest with you. Our thanks again to William Byron, Eric Almarola. Trevor Bain, Michael McDowell, A.J. Allmendinger, and Clint Boyer for stopping by the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Many thanks to their media representatives who helped bring them to us, 
and to producers Joel Maydak, Scott Keith, and Mark Trena for building in some of NBC's time for the podcast during the media tour. NBC Sports has the Olympics next month, and it also has a new podcast in its lineup. The Podium will provide insider coverage of 17 days of competition in South Korea. The first episode is already up and examines the how and why behind the 25 tropical countries competing in the Winter Olympics, exploring the influence of the movie Cool Runnings about the Jamaican bobsled team on a generation of tropical athletes. You can subscribe to The Podium wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. We, of course, would ask you to do the same for the NASCAR NBC podcast, which also is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. And if you have any feedback, please send to me on Twitter, at Nate Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.